This Bible reading is from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 to 16. You know, brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not without results. We had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know. But with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please people but God, who tests our hearts. You know we never used flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from people, not from you or anyone else, even though as apostles of Christ we could have asserted our authority. Instead, we were like young children among you. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. You are our witness, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom and glory. And we also thank God continually, because when you received the word of God... Which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. For you, brothers and sisters, became imitators of God's churches in Judea, which are in Christ Jesus. You suffered from your own people the same thing those churches suffered from the Jews who killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and also drove us out. They displease God and are hostile to everyone in their effort to keep us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved. In this way, they always heap up their sins to the limit. The wrath of God has come upon them at last. Thanks, Chloe, very much. Lachlan, you know why he couldn't give a 40-minute sermon? Because I'm going to give a 40-minute sermon. (laughs) Well, hopefully not that long. It is exciting that you are here, Lachlan, and I really appreciate that. As Anne said, we've been preaching through part of a series. And I'm not actually going to be preaching at you, Lachlan, but if I look at you and point at you and say Lachlan a few times, just think I'm preaching to everybody. But uh, I hope it is relevant to you, but I trust it's relevant to everyone also. Youth ministry is a wonderful ministry in being able to invest in people's lives and for Lachlan to journey alongside people and help them wrestle with the issues of faith for themselves, nurturing and discipling them, investing in their lives. And yet the reality is that while relationships grow, there will be struggles. There will be different expectations and opposition. At the start of any pastoral ministry, there's often what is called a honeymoon phase. Enjoy the honeymoon phase, Lachlan. Uh, For the reality is, in this phase, you won't be able to do anything wrong. Everyone will love you. Everyone will encourage you. But there will come a time when people want to give their advice, want to share their own expectations, want to challenge you, and at that point, for Lachlan and for all of us, a question 
a deep question is, who will we please? Who are we seeking to please? Pleasing people is about motivation. Uh, We can please others because we will get something from them. Uh, I'm 63, and when I was about uh, 54, I did karate for four years. I've never done it before. I thought it would be good for some fitness and flexibility. And after, with one particular instructor, at the end of each week, I would say to him, thank you, I'm so pleased that you took us. You worked us hard, and I really enjoyed that. I said those words to him because I wanted him to say, I'm so impressed that you're so old and can do this. (laughs) He never said it. (laughs) But I wanted something from him. I pleased him in order that I may get. We can also please people because of what they've given to us. Uh, Both my parents had died, but my mother never held a driver's licence, never drove, and my father would often take time off work to drive her to appointments. And he would willingly forego his own responsibilities at that point in time because of all she meant to him. He was willing to give, not for what he would get, but because of what he'd been given. Pleasing people can stem from a desire to get or give. Uh, In this chapter of the book of 1 Thessalonians, Paul has been accused of wanting to get. He's been accused of being self-focused and selfish in order that he may gain from other people. He defends himself in this chapter, saying that he wants to please God and other people because of all he's received from God. And he talks about a ministry that pleases. And I want to say four things tonight about about that. A ministry, to broaden it out, not just a ministry, but I'm talking about a life. A life that pleases God. A ministry or life that pleases. And the first thing is that a ministry or life is purposeful. It is purposeful and gospel-focused. Paul and his team of Silas and Timothy came to Thessalonica after being beaten and imprisoned for preaching about Jesus in Philippi. They arrived in Thessalonica and it seems they weren't there very long before opposition started there also. People were hostile and so Paul left. Since that time, he had not returned. And this led some people in Thessalonica to claim that Paul only came for what he could get out of the Thessalonians. He was there for self-interest. In this chapter, we glean something of what was said about him, some of the accusations made about him. He was deceptive. He taught wrong things. He was a people pleaser. He used flattery and greed. And yet far from self-interest, Paul came knowing that there would be hostility that met him. In the first two verses of chapter 2, he says, You know, brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not without results. We have previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know, but with the help of our God, we dare to tell you his gospel. 
in the face of strong opposition. That phrase, not without results, it's not talking about numbers, but more so, their visit was not without purpose. Paul came with the clear intention to preach despite what the consequences may be. A ministry or life that pleases God is purposefully focused on the gospel. Uh, while I was preparing this sermon, uh, I came across a letter on the internet. Uh, it was written by a guy called Carl Lundberg in 1900. Uh, he was born in Sweden. He became a, a follower of Jesus at the age of 24. And he was... Uh, he loved meeting Jesus and he was hungry to learn more about the Bible and he began doing these short Bible courses. While he was doing one of these, he became aware of some people in America who were sponsoring for missionaries to go to China. And he was part of a, a movement called the Christian Missionary and Alliance Movement uh, or denomination and he said, I will go. So he went to China as a missionary. For the first two years, it was hard work. But then there was something that happened, uh, which you may or may not have heard of. It's called the Boxer, the Boxer Revolution, where China began to crack down on any foreign involvement, especially with Christians. In his letter that he wrote back to his prayer supporters in Sweden. He spoke of many, many thousands of Christians being killed, of missionaries being stoned to death, and their children being dismembered and torn apart. I want to read out a little bit of this letter, this last letter he wrote. If we should not come out with our lives, then please send our last message to all mission friends. We live and die for the Lord and China. The way to the coast is not open. We have not heard anything from Peking for nearly two months. But the way to the Lord is open. Thanks be to him. Let not your hands fail and do not lose your courage. What we sow shall bear fruit in its time. When the storm is over, send out other witnesses to China to proclaim the great act of the Lord. I do not regret that I came to China. I know the Lord called me here and his grace is enough for me. The way he leads is the best. His will be done. We shall meet at his right hand. It's a powerful letter in terms of trust and confidence in God's gospel, in who God is. Ministry or life that pleases God is purposefully gospel-focused and it affects every area of life. Just imagine that you have a garment that you want to dye a different colour. You fill the sink, you put dye in, and then you push the garment down. You leave the garment there so the dye soaks into every fibre of the garment. That's something about this purposeful. The gospel soaks into every fibre of our being. It affects every aspect of life. My time my money, my future, my relationships, my desires, my location, my responses. Ministry or life that pleases God is purposeful. 
and it's purposeful being gospel-focused. The second thing, a ministry of life that pleases God is characterised by integrity. Paul reminded the Thessalonian believers, he refers back to what they already had seen and known in his life. Who Paul was is who Paul is. It's about integrity. Integrity comes from a Latin word called integer. It has some meanings, and one of those meanings is that it's a whole number. It's not a fraction, but it's a whole number. A person with integrity is not 95% honest and 5% just a little bit dishonest. A person with integrity is whole. They are honest in every setting. Paul said in verses 3 to 4, For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please people, but God who tests our hearts. Paul was not greedy. He was not self-focused. Wherever he was, Paul wanted to be genuine and please God. To be authentic is to be the same in every situation we are in. And yet often there is a temptation to change. Often the temptation is in the context, who we're with, to become acceptable to them. Uh, a few years ago, I was walking to church one Sunday morning along this road just out here and I found a $100 note on the footpath. Uh, it must have just happened. There was no one in front of me. I looked around. I didn't know what to do. I thought if I leave it there, someone else is going to pick it up. So I picked it up and uh, eventually I took it to the police station. Said, I found this. I told him where. Amazingly, about six weeks later, I received a cheque in the mail for $100. Uh, last August, I often walk early in the morning, and I'm walking up King George's Road, up towards Broad Arrow Road, um, at a bus stop. It's been sprinkling, and on the grass, there's a plastic bag, a clip-lop bag, $315 in it. with a card, a bank card. And I thought to myself, I wish that wasn't there. I go back and I ring up the bank and I say, look, I found this, I've got a card here, if you can let them know, I know that you can't give any details, then I will get the money to them if they ring me. No, no, we can't do that. So I take it to the police. Uh, he counts it out, gives me a receipt, Guess what I start thinking about? After six weeks, I'm looking at the mail every day. <laughs> I'm hoping $315 comes in a cheque. Uh, now, if I'd lost the money, I would want someone to be honest. And yet I found within me this desire 
that I'll get the money. Greed lurked within me. In, in fact, greed was actively at work within me because every time I walked, I was looking around. I wanted to find more money. Now, I can say I'm, I'm content in God, but my actions actually show something different. My actions and desire shows there is an inconsistency. As I now walk, I try to remind myself to be thankful for all I have. I don't need to look for money. I don't need money. And in fact, in being thankful, I try to remind myself I can give. I don't need to get. And so often when I'll walk, uh, I'll text people just to as an encouragement, maybe with a verse of Bible I've read, or to say, I really appreciate what you did on Sunday, or thanks for leading and singing. An opportunity to remind me I've been given and I can give. Integrity. The third thing, a ministry of life that pleases will involve words and actions. As an apostle... Paul had the right, as he went to different churches, for those churches to meet his needs. And yet in Thessalonica, Paul worked. We read in verses 7 to 9, Instead we were like young children among you, just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We work night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preach the gospel of God to you. Instead of getting, Paul and his team sacrificially cared so they would give. There's some uncertainty as to whether the word young children should be the word gentle. Uh, there's one letter difference. But if young children, then the apostles came without demanding expectations. If the words gentle, they were compassionate. And either has a similar meaning that speaks of Paul being like a, a nursing mother, caring and supporting and nurturing. Paul brought this message of the Lord Jesus, the Son of God who died. He brings forgiveness in Christ. He brought the message, but amazingly, he says, we loved you so much we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. I find that staggering. To share not only the gospel of God, but indeed our lives it's vitally important that our words, that words are used in communicating the gospel. But if we say the gospel truly transforms our lives, if the gospel makes a change within us, then the message of Christ can never only about, be about words. If the gospel changes me, then it must have an impact on how I relate to other people. When I was at, I used to be at Toronto up in Lake Macquarie. I was there as the pastor for 20 years. Uh, we had a young man from Indochina. 
he had come to go to Morling College. Uh, in his homeland, which he's back there now, and for security reasons, I shouldn't say what that country is. Uh, shouldn't even say what his name is. I'll call him M. Uh, M had gone to a, uh, a ministry that a disabled pastor had set up for people with disabilities. He had gone to volunteer, not as a Christian, but just as someone or something to help out that is good. It was called the Company of Grace. And as Em went and worked alongside and volunteered, he became struck by how these people shared the gospel, but indeed shared their lives as well in the way they cared. Em became a follower of Jesus as a result of that, and he decided he wanted to get trained so he came to Australia to go to Morning College, which is the Baptist College in Marsfield. He's, he was here for four or five years. He's, he's gone back just probably 12 months ago. He's gone back with a wife to work in a rural mountainous area that is extremely, extremely poor. They're not living there yet. They would like to live there, but they live at another place and go there periodically to take education, hygiene, supplies, and their, their desire is to actually do some literacy work in some time so people can learn to read and to be equipped and as part of that be able to read the scriptures. It could have been comfortable for them to settle in Australia. He'd had four or five years of Australian way of life. But Ems loved the people so much, his people, that he desired to share not only the gospel of God, but his life with them also. Our actions speak loudly, but words are also so important, as Ange mentioned last week. And so Paul uses not only the metaphor of a mother, but that of a father who trained his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging them to live lives worthy of God. Uh, we live in a, in a culture today where people are happy to call other people out tell them what they're doing wrong, happy to criticise. It is a wonderful thing when someone comes along and encourages and spurs on. It is powerful as people, especially young people, but at any age, has someone to come and say things that encouraged them. A life or ministry that pleases God will involve words and actions. And the last thing I want to say is that a ministry or life that pleases God will take God's word seriously. Paul said that the Thessalonian believers heard his words. He heard what Paul said, but they actually accepted them as God's words. Verse 13 says... And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, 
which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. I'm, I guess I'm a bit cautious and suspicious when someone comes up to me and says, God spoke to me. I want to say, how do you know? And yet there's a sense when we hear the Bible read in church or when we discuss it honestly in home groups or when we read it ourselves carefully, there's a sense where we can say, God spoke to me. Not necessarily in the sense where God tells me to go here or do this job, but rather... God's word reveals his character, reveals how to live to please him, what he desires. The trouble is that we are so familiar with hearing his word that it has little bearing on our lives. And it reminds me of being on a plane. Um, If you've been on a plane and uh, as a taxing to take off, the, the air stewards will stand and give these safety instructions. And they'll refer to a, a cardboard uh, brochure with what to do. And from my experience, almost everyone on the plane doesn't listen. They're reading their iPad, they're reading their newspaper, they're talking to people. It seems as though they have no interest at all. There may be one or two people who listen and who are keen to hear. And those few people hear the air steward speaking. They hear their words, but they actually take it as the manufacturer's words as to what to do if you're in trouble. A ministry of life that pleases God takes God's word seriously like those one or two on the plane, God's word is to be keenly listened to and embraced, not simply tolerated. I wonder whose words you're hearing today. Of course, you hear my words. But if... I speak the Bible accurately. Do you hear and do you take on board the word of God? Uh, I'm going to finish, but I just want to say, if I had time, uh, verses 14 to 16 are some really, really hard verses because Paul gets stuck in to the Jewish people. He does it like he does nowhere else in the Bible. It seems as though, while he's taking, and so if I had point five, it would be a ministry of life that pleases God takes God's judgment seriously. Don't discount that. An authentic church is made up of authentic people who genuinely want to know and follow and grapple with what it means to please God. Paul used this chapter as a defence against accusations that he was only interested in himself. We do well to measure ourselves. Who do we seek to please?
Do we seek to give or to get? Is our desire to please God or to please people? A ministry or life that pleases God is purposeful. It has integrity. It transforms us. So we not only share the gospel of God, but we share our lives as well. And takes God's word seriously. We do pray, Lachlan, thanking God for you and for such a ministry that you have a heart for. But this is not just for Lachlan, this is for all of us to live a life that is pleasing to God.